Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mdiwa Kavaza, and for today, we're getting into a conversation. It is a Friday, uh, which means we get into the hard economics um, you know, news of the week. There's a lot that's uh, going on um, uh, this week in terms of uh, the economy. Um, we saw a little bit of data coming through you know, to say that we've had a slight slowdown in, uh, in terms of uh, what's been going on in inflation um you know ever so slightly you know over the last uh, couple of months so that's definitely uh, you know a really good thing and then obviously obviously at the same time um you know we are looking at that 13 month low um on that which does indicate that consumers have been under a lot of pressure now to give us a sense of uh, what uh, the macroeconomics uh, are looking like you know for a for the country uh, for this, for a sector in particular, uh, we're going to be looking at travel, uh, specifically domestic air travel in South Africa with uh, one of the country's largest players in that particular space, that is Flysafe. And we're just going to understand what um, the current uh, macroeconomic crisis has done for their business and uh, where they see things right now. You know, what's actually going on. We hear of uh, so-called recovery in terms of travel and tourism. Has that been the case? How is a business like theirs um, competing and surviving in a market where there's now less competition? What are they doing to meet the demand? So to help us to understand that, we are joined by uh, Kirby Gordon, who is uh, the chief uh, marketing officer over at Flysafe, uh, just to give us a lot of that insight. Uh, Kirby, uh, greetings to you on this Friday. Thank you. How's it? Lovely to be with you. Now, thank you so much, you know, for being with us. Uh, you know, we usually begin these conversations by asking people to give us a sense of their organizations, you know, where do you come from um, and the like. But uh, Flesafe is probably one of those brands uh, that's uh, quite well known in the South African context. So in terms of so instead of asking, you know, what is Flesafe, um, I think it would be great to understand from the chief marketing officer of the airline to understand, you know, when you guys are framing uh, Flysafe, we always talk about, uh, uh, you know, low-cost carrier. We always talk about domestic air travel and the like. How does you as the chief marketing officer uh, position uh, Flysafe? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a that's a really interesting uh, way to kind of uh, walk into it because obviously one has a sort of standard sales pitch that you that you would put forward. But I think you know, honestly, the this this game of aviation is a, is a fascinating one, and there are so many different kinds of of airlines out there which really contest the market with quite different models. Um, and I think one of the things that that I've always held quite true, particularly from a marketing perspective, is just to try and be really honest about what it is that we do. Um, and we we are we're a low cost carrier, and the intention there behind that is to try and offer you know air connectivity to South Africans domestically and now regionally as well that is affordable, that is on time, um, and and that is hassle free. You know that creates a hassle free flying experience and maybe makes it more accessible uh, to more individuals. And so you know at the end of the day, I suppose what we're looking for is something that is largely tr traded as a commodity on an open market. I mean, um, it's it is a largely undifferentiated service to be to be realistic, um, even though we'll hold true on all of the tenets of our brand and all that it means um you know the the product itself the actual service itself is 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 quite um homogenous 
Um, and so what we really want to do is, is get out there and contest the market with something that is fairly basic, but just a really good solid value, you know, so something that is that is really accessible to most that is affordable, um, and that just sort of does what it says on the can. Um, and I think, you know, in, in a nutshell, to, to try to take the most honest answer to that question, I, I would say that's what we're what we're trying to achieve. So against that backdrop, then, um, you know, when we're talking about uh, low cost uh, air travel in South Africa and the like, um, what does the market look like for you guys? Uh, as I said, you guys are probably, um, you know, one of, if not the uh, largest player in that particular space. Uh, the domestic air travel industry has had a huge shakeup over the last uh, three years. We've seen a number of airlines, um, you know, folding. What has that done? Uh, to you guys' business, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's been the kind of tale that we've that we've um, had over the last little while. I think our story is a is a little bit um, atypical against the rest of the the sort of stories within the South African economy because of the market dynamics. You know, um, with with some of the larger players exiting the market, we've obviously had um, some different uh, sort of dynamics come to play in our in our supply environment, um, and that has played out to a slightly different trajectory. So. I mean, what we what we're seeing at this stage is that in terms of the uh, domestic seat capacity that's available on the market and that's actually being taken up by the market, we're sitting at any given point between about seventy five and eighty percent of what we were um, against those famous sort of twenty nineteen pre COVID numbers, you know, um, which gives us an indication of, of of where the market's really at. And I would say as of about May uh, this year, we're finally starting to see the domestic market hit a type of a type of stasis so we're at a we're finally at a point now where those of us that are left contesting the market and, and actually you know we can chat about this in a second but there are as many contestants to the market now as there were before covid um but with those of us that are contesting the market now we're, we're finding that you know the supply and the demand are actually back in that sort of equilibrium and you know may was a tough month for airlines and 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 that was that was right i mean that's how it should be that is the nature of our game we have terrible months and then we have better months and you know the idea is obviously within the the space of of you know when we remove seasonality over the space of a year you know hopefully the better months outweigh the the worst months so it's 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 the way it should be and it's great to sort of see that stasis come back but what we're in what we're seeing from our side is you know the the south african flying economy while i would say given that we're in stasis now at about 75 to 80% of what it was in 2019 that would be our indication. That would be our reality. Is to say we're we're at that sort of state as as an industry. You know, we're 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 about we're about three quarters, just more than three quarters of what we were before. Very keen to dive a little deeper into that point that you've just made now uh, about the fact that uh, in terms of contesting the market, there are as many players um, in the in the market now um, as there were uh, before COVID nineteen. Uh, trying to understand that one simply because uh, there's no longer British Airways, um, you know, in the market. There's no longer Kulula. There's no longer. I, I I can't remember, you know, seeing a mango plane. I know that they were going through uh, their issues as part of, uh, you know, the SAA crisis. Um, yes, lifters coming to the into the market. Um, keen to get a sense of uh, what you mean by that, and is there a distinction between the number of players contesting the market versus, I guess, capacity that is contesting the market? Yeah, I mean, look, all of those things do play together. So, uh, you know, the the interesting point is, whilst 
the the chips have fallen differently post COVID, and I think we all have different um, amounts of market share. Um, and I mean, you you introduced us. We I mean, we are the 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 dominant player in the market at the moment in terms of the domestic seat capacity available. Um, if you compare us in terms of number of departures, for example, obviously those numbers are quite different because we operate larger aircraft than what some other airlines would. But in terms of the actual number of seats available, um, you know, we're holding about sixty percent of the market share at this stage. But there are as many players now as there were before, and that's and that's a, that sort of seems a strange comment to make. I think those in the investment community would would probably have a slightly deeper insight into what I mean by that. But um, you know, realistically, pre-COVID, we saw a lot of brands contesting the market, um, but less actual players when it came to individual companies that were contesting the market. And I think that's an important distinction to make. So as we stand today, we've got you know Fly Air, which is Safair Operations. We've got um, Lyft. We've got Sam Air, we've got Airlink, which now stands on its own, um, and we've got South African Airways, uh, who are all, you know, actively amongst some other smaller players as well. But there, there are five major companies that are doing it. And, and previously, we had the same. You know, South African Airways operated as South African Airways and Mango, but ultimately they were still the same company. Kame operated as British Airways and Kalula, but again, whilst there were two brands contesting the market, still ultimately the same company. So, so when you actually work it back and you figure out how many individual corporations as such they really were uh, contesting the market, we're, we're back to where we were beforehand. Um, as I say, certainly the lay of the land is a little bit different, um, and that's really been the game here. Is is it's been about um, you know this, the fact that we've gone through this period of supply constraint, which obviously opens up an opportunity, and the it's it's sort of been a. Uh, I mean, it, it seems incorrect to call it a land grab because I guess it's a sky grab. But um, you know, the 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 effort that's been at hand is to say who can take the you know who's who's got the the appetite to take the risk to put up as much capacity as you can to gain the market share until we hit the ceiling that we've hit now, where you know it's the, the demand and the supply are back in equilibrium and you're kind of starting to really feel your operating costs more than you might have beforehand. Um, the pricing is starting to normalize to a new normal if I can flog a dead horse in that regard and um and and and, and you know and, and not overshoot the mark I mean that's obviously also the great risk here is that you don't want to do that from that perspective so I mean we've brought on we've grown our fleet now to 37 aircraft but of those 37 aircraft we've brought in 14 aircraft over the last four, over the last 14 months so it's been one a month over 14 months it's been a it's been an epic growth uh, trajectory and we've been in a fortunate position to be able to do that um, but you know we're not alone in that regard. Obviously, the other players that are out there as well have also, relative to the, their size and their starting point, also grown quite significantly, bringing in additional aircraft, hiring additional people, and and trying to to fill up that that shortfall that was in the market in terms of supply at one stage. Now, against that particular backdrop, you know, it's always great talking to businesses that have actually found themselves um, in a growth swing um, when you look at uh, pre-COVID, um, you know, compared to where they were pre-COVID. And also at the same time, uh, I, I guess, trying to meet that demand that's happening right now, because that investment in that uh, 14 aircraft over the last 14 months, the one uh, one a month that you're talking about, obviously that 
that's not being done in a vacuum. Uh, that's being done against a view uh, that this will be aircraft that you guys are going to be able to make a return on, right? That's the first thing. And also at the same time, um, just looking at the state of the market and saying that if you guys are at uh, at 75, 80% um, of uh, where you guys were pre-COVID, I'm guessing that that, that additional 20% that still needs to be made back is probably where part of the opportunity is. And then over and above that, um, uh, any possible growth prospects um, that can materialize, that's probably feeding into how you guys are making you know these decisions. So um, against that backdrop, then I wanted to maybe get two pieces of news to you uh, that we received this week. Um, I alluded to it at the beginning. Uh, but uh, we were actually reporting as business day, um, you know, early in the week. Uh, this is according to Tuletu Zwane, who is our economics writer, uh, that South Africa's um, annual inflation rate eased uh, further in May, reaching a 13-month low and moved closer uh, to the upper limit of the Reserve Bank's uh, 3 to 6% uh, percent target range thanks to slowing food and transport uh, prices. That was according to Stats SA uh, on Wednesday, headline inflation cooled for a second consecutive month uh, to 6.3% from 6.8% in April. That is the lowest level since April 2022 um, when the rate was sitting at uh, 5.9%. And then the second piece of news um, that was also written by today to came um, around retail confidence um, which dropped in the second quarter of 2023 as a result of soaring uh, load shedding uh, related costs, uh, persistently high uh, food inflation and rising interest rates now at a 14-year high, all factors uh, that led to a marked deterioration in um, in retailer profitability. Now, I bring these two pieces uh, of news up, um, Kirby, simply to get an understanding to say, you know, when we're reporting some of these things, they might seem a bit abstract. Oh, inflation has cooled and is slowing down, right? That means at some point inflation has been has been rising and we're seeing that average, you know, at just over 6%. But in real terms, what has inflation looked like, you know, for people that are traveling right now? Because I travel quite a bit and I've noticed that at least in, in the in the air travel sector, uh prices in, in, in certain parts of the market have actually risen and I, I think six percent would be conservative at best. So I guess it's us trying to get an understanding to say on in a real world level what what has uh, something like inflation done um, you know for your own prices as Flysafair and the rest of the industry. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that that you know that's a that's a there's a complex answer to that with many moving pieces, but it is quite an interesting one to discuss. I mean, I think the first thing that we need to bear cognizance of is the fact that, um, and I mentioned this before, you know, we we largely trade a, a commodity. Um, our, our services, as much as we you know want to kind of differentiate ourselves in terms of things like brand and in terms of. Um, our ability to be on time, et cetera. The reality is that we all fly the same sorts of aircraft. We all move you through the same sort of airports. No one can fly faster than anybody else. And so realistically, what we have to concede and be quite honest about is that the product that we offer, you know, is largely dictated or or at least our ability to to win the market is dictated by price and other very kind of pragmatic factors that would play into the commoditization of that product. 
Um, but similarly, what that means is that the the prices that we can achieve are largely set by a market, um, and and that's the reality that we see. You know, you hear these terms demand based pricing. We all know that. Um, there's a sort of time decay element to the model. We all know that if you're purchasing, you know, flights during periods where there's high contestation for those seats over December holidays or school holidays or Easter holidays, you're inclined to to probably pay top dollar versus if you are to fly in, you know, the last two weeks of January, for example, which are historically horrific times for airlines because everyone's come back from their holidays and no one's really flying for business yet. You know, you can get away at prices that are absolutely operating losses for us and that's how you know our, our business works is that we need to to take the swings take the roundabouts and as i say at the end of the year um come out in a position that's obviously um you know better for our shareholders and our investors than than what it would be if we had too many too many losses so the reality is that our our kind of environment and pricing from a consumer perspective almost exists in this in this own little dynamic in its own little market that's traded separately and i think over the last period because of the supply constraints that we've had in the market we have seen somewhat elevated prices across the board and so that 6% inflation number wouldn't really hold true against aviation and it's not significantly more than that if i look at the average yields that we were able to achieve but i think what's real what's interesting now is as i say the market has sort of found a bit more of a of a stasis again from from about may this year the supply is now starting to meet where the demand is particularly in those lower periods and there are a couple of other factors that are interesting to note in terms of the volatility of demand which is which is strange it's changed a bit since um before covid but i think what we're going to see exposed now is what the true view on that inflation in terms of air travel particularly is um, because we're really starting to expose our cost per seat now. And, you know, we are seeing players in the market starting to to lament the fact that, you know, they're, they're not achieving the yields that they need, that they're now, again, below their operating costs, that they feel that the market is unsustainable and overtraded. You know, that's news that's coming out. And, and, and now it really is back to the nuts and bolts. It's really back to that state to say, well, look, let's all be honest about the fact that we actually do sell slightly different products. Some airlines offer a premium service, which they should by rights be able to fetch a slight premium for in terms of what they charge. And then there are those of us who have a very basic product and, and ostensibly should have a lower operating cost and be able to bring to market at a, at a slightly better price. Um, and it's really at this at this point where you know the 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 kind of the true realities of what that inflationary uh, effect on our operating costs will will be, and um, I think you you understand the sort of basis of it. I mean, our our market is very much or our operations rather are exposed very heavily to two things specifically. The first is. Uh, the 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 price of oil obviously so you know we I mean it used to be that about forty percent of the operating costs of a flight from Johannesburg to Cape Town was entirely based on the fuel burn but it's actually in excess of that now because of the way that the price of fuel has come up so so that sort of gives you a sense of the quantum of that of that particular thing and then of course the other thing is the rand dollar. Um, which is incredibly significant to us because that obviously is how we finance our aircraft. Um, it has its impact on, on on the fuel price as well that we that we achieve, um, and and it also has a, a significant impact on what our maintenance costs are because any spare parts that we need to bring in for these aircraft, I mean, nothing is really produced locally or very little anyway. So you know the reality is that we have a massive exposure to that. So with those two things in mind, with a sort of um, almost a bias exposure to those, you can understand that our operating costs have been quite severely impacted um, through this period. And, and, and as I say, the, the new kind of base level pricing is what's going to be interesting to see now as we go through the winter. 
School holiday is obviously no exception, but as we head through the sort of dregs of winter, which is traditionally a low period for us, we're really going to start to see what the true impact of that was. And similarly, you know, understand where 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 the consumer is at in terms of what the impact of that inflation has been on their disposable income. Um, you know, we we are very leisure focused. We are very much driven by that leisure market, although we do have a fair amount of of business travel on our on our airline. Um, we've always been quite leisure heavy in that regard, and. Look, travel, even local travel, while there is a, a substitution behavior that exists, but it's it's still a luxury, you know, and it's still it's still a degree of conspicuous consumption, and it's still something that is sort of one of the first things to go when times are incredibly tough. And so that's I think what we're seeing play out in that demand in that demand dynamic as well. You know, it is interesting, you know, the way that you frame that, and you are you are quite right uh, when you began saying that it's uh, the, there's a complex answer to how you know some of these uh, economic factors that we report on um, actually affect um, a business like Flyce Affairs and also the travel the travel sector, uh, the air the the air travel sector um, on the ground, you know, and especially those particular points because we actually spend. Quite Quite a bit of time discussing the rand dollar exchange rate. Um, obviously, that's the biggest currency pair uh, that people have to be, you know, considerate of. And uh, for you guys, I'm pretty sure that rand weakness, um, you know, doesn't doesn't bode well, um, especially if you have to import uh, maybe parts and stuff from other parts of, uh, you know, other parts of the world for maintenance and that type of thing. And you know, you've got uh, fuel that needs to be brought into the country, so. It is you know quite an interesting uh, dynamic um, that is a play and I guess with that in mind one can then understand uh, some of the reasons why we have seen you know things like your ticket prices going up above um, that uh, you know six or seven percent that we're talking about just now because in reality the the costs of operating do escalate you know at a faster level CPI or consumer price index is an average and you know on that spectrum you know you probably have um, extremes of what uh, you know operating costs can look like uh, for a particular business switching over to consumers for a bit because you know that's another piece of the equation we've actually seen um, so many companies reporting um, what the current environment has done um, for you know for the people that are uh, you know patronizing their businesses Flysafair is a consumer facing business so you're probably you know quite tied into um where where consumers are at um at the moment yes there's a lot of domestic travel but you know on the consumer side i think you alluded to it just now that there's a lot of seasonality that comes right now it's winter so you don't expect as much travel as you would see in a in a time like summer but uh, maybe you could uh, frame for us what uh, things like inflation you know have done for for consumer pockets um right now would you say that uh consumers being under pressure uh has perhaps slowed you guys down to to be at this 75 80 percent uh level you know that you were talking about earlier on could you guys have realistically recovered to where you were back uh back before covid had it not been 
uh, for some of the decisions uh, that consumers are being faced uh, are being forced to make right now. You know, you you're trying to preserve some cash, and someone says, "Huh, I want to go from Joburg to Cape Town on holiday." Um, and as you as you as you pointed out just now, perhaps one of the first things to go is that option to to travel by air and someone says i'm going to save a few rands and rather you know travel by road um could you just frame for us you know what that's looking like on the consumer side yeah i mean that that's absolutely it it's it's very much that demand dynamic that we're starting to feel now and i think that's where you know that's what's really creating this this the ceiling at the sort of 75% 80 80% of the 2019 numbers is the amount of demand that exists there from a consumer perspective i mean we're seeing so many interesting things actually um with regard to consumers it's it's fascinating to watch i think what we didn't really um anticipate through so much of covid or or less the major lockdown and more the kind of um mini lockdowns that that went afterwards is the degree to which sentiment really does swing the the travel market um the sort of market sentiment i mean you know we 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 were astounded when there were limitations on alcohol for example how that just suddenly took the floor out of demand and how there were just so few customers that were out there and we've seen the same kind of thing happen now with with load shedding um with so many other realities that come into it and i think there's an economic impact to that obviously that you know bears consideration but i think it is also a strangely sort of sentiment driven which is which is quite interesting to see um but the mark but the behavior has has adjusted you know traditionally the theory would hold that as a low cost carrier you're in a fortuitous position when it comes to moments of economic downturns or consumer strife because theoretically there should be a substitution behavior so while you would lose some customers who won't fly because they can't afford to go away or who might drive or take a bus as an alternative you know the idea holds that you should also then have a number of other travelers who can still afford to go away but are maybe trading down from a full service carrier or from a business class experience or from an overseas holiday and rather just going somewhere locally um and so there is that sort of dynamic that comes to play and i think that is a something of a saving grace for us is it does pad the the kind of full impact um of the reality that we face so so there is that kind of dynamic that comes to play as well um it's always interesting to to sort of frame your role as an airline in a country's economy i mean obviously traditionally governments have actually invested in airlines you know and that's controversial in and of its own right but you know ostensibly it is because they they are economic enablers and and air access and air connectivity are economic enablers but by the same token as much as we enable growth for for you know economic growth we're also completely hamstrung by it because if there is no economic growth um you know we don't see passenger numbers growing either so it's it's a it's a bit of a chicken and an egg situation that we that we face on a daily basis and it's and it's an interesting wave to ride um further to that i think consumer behavior i mentioned it earlier i mean it's something that we have noted which is quite fascinating is is this the sort of volatility you know it used to be i think when uh sort of pre covid again um we had a, a a degree of seasonal volatility i mean it's always been there and that's largely driven by the um by the the kind of leisure demand so those periods those holiday periods i mean you just can't put on enough flights you know on the 16th of december or the 15th of december you you just you just can't fly enough on that particular day there's just not enough aircraft in the country on you know but let me tell you there's an idle tuesday in the middle of july which <laughs> where you can't pay people to get onto an airplane either so and i mean we literally do <laughs> so so it's 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 those swings and roundabouts and and that volatility is is more extreme now than it was before you know the high periods are high 
but the low periods are far lower. Um, and so that's been an intriguing dynamic to watch. And I think that's got a bit to do with confidence. Um, so we're, we're hoping that that sort of, you know, finds a little bit more of a middle ground at some stage. Um, equally, the one thing that's interesting is that, and I guess this makes sense, but for a long time, we were seeing incredibly short booking lead times. Um, so flights were filling up very much at the last minute. And again, I think that had a lot to do with confidence for forward planning. I mean, certainly off the back of the realities with lockdowns pending the whole time, you know, no one knowing if beaches would be closed or alcohol would be banned. You know, at that point, people were definitely booking almost exclusively last minute. Um, but even so, with sort of a degree of uncertainty in the sort of consumer space, we've seen, you know, we had seen a shortening on that booking curve, but it is now very ever so slowly starting to lengthen out. People are... And as 2023 kind of progresses, they're starting to think ahead for planning for their December holidays if they can afford it now. And and maybe that's maybe that's also driven by a, by a tight belt, you know, that you realize, well, we know we need to plan ahead to get the better ticket price by by locking it in now. So let's let's you know let's suffer that restriction on our plans and on our movement. Let's make those commitments ahead in order to achieve that saving. Um, and, 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 you know, so perhaps that's what's driving that as well, but we are seeing that booking curve slowly starting to, to lengthen out, which is a relief to us. I mean, it's nice to know what's going to be ahead. Otherwise it literally is like a, a game of chicken. Every time you do a flight three days beforehand, are we going to have enough passengers on it? So it's a little bit nicer to, to have a bit of a lead on it. Uh, that's actually an interesting, uh, you know, point, uh, where you can actually see, um how because we keep talking about consumer pressure consumer pressure uh but it's always great hearing some of those real world examples of what uh consumer pressure is actually doing um uh, on the ground and right now that aspect of uh, the fact that uh, back in the day there was a little bit uh, more impulsiveness when it came to travel where you could you could have last minute bookings uh filling up so quickly and now you see uh, much better lead times in terms of how people are planning their travel because they are probably trying to take advantage of um, because we all know that it's it's a little bit it's cheaper to book a flight uh, weeks or months in advance as opposed to actually booking on the day or the day before. So that's actually an interesting, uh, uh, what you call this, an interesting point of uh, possibly indicating a little bit more mindfulness uh, on the on the part of consumers and how uh, they're approaching their travel. And also that volatility that you pointed out earlier on to say that there's always been um, seasonality um i think you used the example of the 16th of around the 16th of december which is usually uh the last uh business day for most companies um across the country you know to say you can't have enough flights on a day like that uh but on a random tuesday in uh, in july uh you know things can be tough and how the current environment uh, sees some of that um more extreme um, situations actually coming to the fore. So it is an interesting aspect and one to, you know, continue to watch. Now, I guess maybe a place where we can, you know, nicely end off today's discussion is to talk about uh, possibly one of the big things that is affecting uh, businesses around South Africa and consumers, and that is uh, 
that is a load shedding. Um, we've heard many different businesses um, articulating how this uh, the energy crisis has been affecting uh, their own operations or their customer bases. So keen to get a sense from a Flyser Fair point of view, um, something like load shedding, is that something that is material as a cost for, for, for Flyser Fair? Um, in terms of keeping your own lights on or is that uh, a factor that is affecting more uh, the people that would actually be your customers? Look, I mean, I, I guess the easy answer to that is both. Um, you know, operationally, we are largely protected against the the um, the realities of load shedding um, in that certainly on anything that happens at the airport, um, it, it is somewhat protected. I mean, the airports being the airports being you know national key points, um, they don't they don't experience load shedding um, you know at all. So so those those areas are fine, and we you haven't had impact on operations um, as a result of anything from a load shedding perspective in that environment. Obviously, when it comes back to our sort of head office space and our maintenance facilities, those you know we don't have the same privileges there. And so yes, we've certainly felt the burn. Um, you know, literally in terms of burning diesel and generators, uh, we've made an investment into some sustainable energy in our environment here as well just to be able to to harness a bit of solar power to actually um you know subsidize and, and create some some degree of kind of consistency on our supply for, for for electricity which is which is key in our operations um because obviously the maintenance facility does um you know consume a fair amount of power but i think probably the the biggest impact that we felt has been on the demand side so it has been on the consumer element i mean we all know the dynamic in terms of how that plays into the larger picture the macroeconomic factors the you know the, the that come into play and and ultimately leave us with fewer consumers or consumers that have you know less disposable income that have a a, a lower appetite for you know ticket prices and and, and i think that's really where we're feeling it um, is on that basis. And then I guess sort of, you know, on a frustrating, annoying level, maybe also a degree in terms of just consumers actually being able to get to airports and being frustrated by traffic lights being out and being late and just a sort of, you know, uh, and that has an, that has a cost impact on us when, when that happens, you know, because you sort of, you want to do right by the customer if they miss a flight, for example, because there was massive traffic as a result of, of, of load shedding and lights being out, et cetera. And so, and so that does become a nuisance. Uh, but it's it's certainly the smaller the smaller element of it. But I think the, the as I say the, the major the major impact that we felt is 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 what you and I are feeling in a personal capacity, you know. And that's it's where our consumers left. Um, and I think that's really where we felt the biggest pressure there. Not to say that we're not you know very conscious of these impacts, and particularly on an operational level, um, it's it's we can't we can never just sit on our laurels and say, well, you know, national key, airports are national key points, and that's great because they've got all of these these redundancies in place. Um, it becomes a different scenario when you start relying on your redundancies, and so you need to be conscious of what are your business continuity plans beyond that, and so that certainly has. Um, occupied a lot of our, our our time and our efforts to ensure that we've got those things in play. I think interestingly enough, you know, when we're sort of talking energy in a broader in a broader capacity, one of the things that did hit the news, which is maybe a little bit less around electricity, but it certainly has an inboard electricity plays into it, is the changing dynamic in terms of fuel supply in South Africa and the fact that we're not doing the same amount of refining here. 
the fact that we're now importing more and more. And, and obviously, you know, toward the end of last year, December last year, we were hearing all the news about shortages in Cape Town. And and that that's really quite a big factor in our world, you know, is, is the availability of fuel and the reliability of that supply. Um, because that dynamic has changed for us in the last two years. And, and, and that's been quite an interesting thing to watch. It's stabilized. I think we're in a better position. I think we've learned how to how to manage, um, and I say we as an industry, not as a company, um, how to manage our supply and ensure that we've got what we need. But that there were a couple of school fees to pay there as well. <laughs> I like, I like, I like the way that you uh, the, the the way that you that you frame that. Certainly, energy being a a big thing that is affecting uh, people across uh, what you call this across the world right now. And I guess in your case, it's less about electricity and more about um, the, the the fuel supply um, as you've just articulated now uh, Kirby in my life I t- I sent and I spend my days um, covering uh, companies in the technology media and telecom sector and uh, a lot of them have a large consumer facing component and it has been interesting I guess uh, making some parallels you know between your business because Telecoms operators will tell you that even during load shedding, demand is sky high uh, for communication, for data and all that. So they fight to keep uh, their networks running, you know, diesel uh, generators, whatever it is that they can keep network towers running. Uh, they are paying billions, um, you know, each year to keep uh, things going. Then you talk to a company like MultiChoice that says, actually, we're not that affected by load shedding when it comes to a uh, point of view but we see viewership um you know across television uh, going down by 30 30 32 percent uh during times of load shedding which affects our ability to sell ads uh our subscriptions and all of that and then now talking to a business like yours uh where you you think about you know some of those annoyances uh, such as um what happens if a passenger is late because there was traffic because there was load shedding it is very interesting to see how uh this one thing that everyone is going through called load shedding is affecting um so many individuals and businesses in such different ways i had said earlier on that that's where we're going to end off but i really thought about it just now to say perhaps a better place to end off is around fly surface strategy uh because i guess you know um that helps us to at least understand against uh, the backdrop of everything that we've spoken about right now, how you guys are looking at your own growth prospects. You've spoken to us about, you know, the new aircraft every month. I think you were talking to us just around how you guys have responded in terms of pricing and that type of thing. Strategy-wise, you know, how how are things looking? What's the outlook? Uh, because I do understand you guys have been, you know, uh, despite it being tough, despite being a 75-80% of where you guys were back in the day, um, you guys are winning awards and the like, which means something is, you know, going right for you guys. Yeah, I mean, thanks so much. I can I can talk all day, so we don't have to stop at any given point. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it's 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 fascinating. It's a, it's a really interesting space to be in. So I think you know, strategically, what we have always kind of identified is that we we you know we've hit upon what we believe is a is something of a winning formula and there's no secret to it. We're gonna we're gonna try and maintain that and just stick to our knitting. And that really is, as I say, about offering that sort of brilliant basics product. So 
Um, you know, we're not going to get too elaborate with it. We want to just keep a, a service that is, you know, that we where we really watch our costs and manage every, all of our efficiencies as best we can, that we can offer a product that we can bring out there at a low fare, that we can do it on time and that we can do it with a, a great customer experience. Um, you know, and a lot of that, a lot of that actually has a kind of cost impact too. You know, if you can, if you can offer and empower customers to do a lot of self-service, well, that saves us because then we don't necessarily have to man that with human resources and, and, and ultimately puts the power in the consumer's hands and makes it easy to change a flight or cancel a flight or do whatever it is that you need to do in your own accord without necessarily waiting for a call center or something to that effect. So the intention on the sort of macro level is to, is to just sort of stick to our knitting in that regard and keep that going. Um, so that that's sort of the key element there in terms of contesting markets. Um, as we say, you know, the, the South African, it's interesting to play in the space that we do. And 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 I think to sort of uh, to to caveat this conversation, the the um the the reality is we operate as as a low cost carrier, and one of the core tenants to that is operating one aircraft type. So we operate the the Boeing seven three seven type. Um, we break the rule a little bit. We operate eight hundreds and four hundreds, which are slightly smaller than the eight hundreds. Um, but there are a lot of efficiencies and economies of scale that, that come out of doing just one aircraft type, and that's a pretty key tenant of it. But of course, that brings both um, certain you know limitations associated with it, as well as it does certain freedoms. Um, and those limitations are very much based on the fact that you you can't contest very thin routes because you've got a, a, a certain size that you operate with. And, and for us, that's a minimum size of 165 economy seats. And on some of the thinner routes that are out there, if we throw 165 seats on a day, you know, we almost double the supply on the market. So you have absolutely destroy it. And and similarly, you know, our aircraft only have the range that they have. So, you know, long haul, for example, would never really be an opportunity for us in, in the bigger scheme of things. Um, and so what we'll always look to do is, is the basis there is the, 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 the field of play that we have is largely South Africa and then as far north as we can go, which takes you in just in terms of sort of practical terms, in terms of range, probably up to sort of northern Uganda. And, and then a little bit less if you go over water because you need to just sort of carry certain fuel efficiencies and things. And so what that means is the South African market that we that we have available to us is really the most kind of lucrative. So we'll always, I think, put our primary focus on what the domestic opportunities are here. But that said, we're also very excited about the fact that we've been awarded a number of regional route rights. Um, and so we're now starting to expand our service into the regional markets as well. So we we launched Mauritius at the beginning of last year, which has done phenomenally well. Um, it's a really interesting journey for us to go on to start offering these regional routes um, on a low cost model. Um, there's kind of a, an unknown price elasticity of supply dynamic that comes into play. We don't know if we can put lots of seats on at a better price um, than what's existing in a lot of these routes, you know, the extent to which you can actually drum up more demand for them. Uh, but we're going to certainly give it a go. Um, it's worked well on Mauritius. We've got it going on Zanzibar now twice a week as well, which is fantastic. And hopefully by the end of the year, we'll be looking to launch certain routes into Zambia, Zimbabwe, um, into Namibia. And then uh, I think the the last one that we're considering at the which is also possibly a Maputu. Um, so, so that would be that will be a really great adventure for us and, and something that we're really excited about. So that's also a big part of the the kind of ongoing strategy to move forward is to is to start breaking the borders a little bit more. All right. So that's where we end off. It has been a really great discussion, just understanding how the 
uh, how a company like Flysophere is uh, playing in the current economic environment. Um, we spoke quite a bit about, uh, you know, things like inflation, um, a weaker rand right now, um, uh, things, uh, uh, things uh, such as that and how that is affecting uh, Flysophere in terms of their own operations as well as uh, their customers because they are a consumer-facing business. So um, they sort of have to be uh, they sort of have to be wily in how they actually approach the market and actually offer that value. I like the fact that uh, earlier on, um, you know, Kirby did say um, that uh, domestic air travel is a uh, rather not even just domestic air travel, but air travel as a whole um, is a commodity. At the end of the day, people are flying uh, similar routes, similar aircraft. Um, so whatever wiggle room you can, you know, does come down to how each individual company approaches uh, the market given um, similar sets of factors. And then um, at the end there, you know, just giving us some insight into how they're strategizing right now. And, uh, you know, for now, they're, you know, beginning to explore um, what life looks like uh, beyond just being a domestic carrier because right now they are the dominant uh, domestic carrier in South Africa. So they'll always be a, uh, a leaning towards that lucrative SA market, but they have been venturing out. I think he mentioned the fact that uh, they've uh, launched, uh, you know, routes to places like Mauritius, uh, places like Zanzibar, and then, you know, they'll be, you know, trying to see how far they can go and, you know, how far they can they can push uh, that particular model before it does, uh, you know, start to uh, break down a little bit. So it will be interesting to see how they, how they frame themselves in the coming maybe year maybe we should catch up again with Kirby in about a year's time to understand how some of these um, experiments would have gone uh, because it's always good just to test the limits of what you can do and also you know just framing what uh, things like your load shedding have done for their business it is an interesting one and always great uh, to understand what all of these macroeconomic factors actually mean on the ground so thank you so much we were talking to Kirby Gordon who is the the Chief Marketing Officer um, over at Fly Sophia. Kirby, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. It was great. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So from my Myself and the rest of the team. It is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.